0: Did you catch last week's episode on tongues? Um, it's not a topic that I usually address with a full episode of the podcast, but really felt like lately um, that's something the Lord has been talking to a lot of people about. I've been very encouraged to meet um, in recent months people who come from a training or a theology that is um, not supportive of. Of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly the gift of tongues. Uh, and they are opened now through teachings that they've heard from various preachers or podcasters. Um, Jake Kale, do you guys know the name Jake Kale? Jake will listen to this podcast, I think, occasionally. And Jake, I know you're teaching. On tongues, or you have in recent weeks, and uh, I promise you, I'm not hijacking your stuff. But Jake has got some great teachings on Torchbearers podcast. If you don't, if you don't listen to Jake Kale and Torchbearers, K L K A I L. Um, you need to go ahead and subscribe to that. His 30-minute teachings each week are fantastic, and Jake did a couple of episodes on it. So um, if you listen to his and you listen to this one, there may be some overlap, um, because I'm pretty sure we came from the same kind of theological background and then moved into the gifts of the Spirit um, via what the Scriptures teach. And so uh, whether it's this podcast or Jake's podcast or um, some of the preaching and teaching, I think what the Lord is doing is he is returning his people back to an organic New Testament view of the kingdom. And so a lot of the stuff that we've added over the centuries is getting kind of purged. And a lot of the things that we have um, not walked in or flowed in uh, for a long time are being returned. And to me, that's indicative of what it just sounds reasonable that the Lord would do. Before the second coming of Jesus, Jesus once asked the question when the Son of Man returns, uh, will he find faith? And the answer to that is going to be as different as individuals who consider their walk with Jesus. I want to be found faith filled and faithful when Jesus comes back. And that means there's going to be the need for me to receive over my lifetime as a Christian what he is offering, and there's going to be a need for me to release some things that I picked up as a Christian that didn't have their source uh, in the heart of God or in the word of God. And so I wanted to talk to you just a little bit more about this issue of tongues. And probably like last last week, I did a lot of um, unpacking of some verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. I, I want to answer the question, this is more conversational than anything, answer the question of um, Jeff, what good does tongues do? And before I launch, let me make a distinction. I believe there's two expressions of speaking in tongues. I think one is prophetic. um, In other words, when the church is gathered together and the gift of tongues is being used, Paul's very clear, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14 that when the church is gathered together, especially in the, in the possibility of unbelievers being present, non-Christians being present, that a corporate use of the gift of tongues requires an interpretation. And when the gift of tongues is used in a corporate setting, a gathering, multiple Christians, a church setting, a church service, um, when that gift is utilized, the scriptures say that um, there should be a limitation on how many people are using it. And there should also be the interpretation of it, because if it's not interpreting, it doesn't build up the hearer. Um, It builds up the person speaking in tongues, but it doesn't build up those that are listening. And so when a tongue is given in a church service or a gathering where unbelievers might be present, um, there is the biblical uh, stipulation that it should be interpreted. And if there's not an interpretation or an interpreter, don't do it. You can read that for yourself. First Corinthians 14. Um, but when it is interpreted, it functions as a prophetic word. It's a supernatural bestowing of a prophetic word through the gift of tongues and the proper interpretation of it. So I differentiate between that and what Paul described as praying in the spirit. Um, and I equivocate or, uh, I, I make parallel that praying in the spirit is often, not always, but often synonymous with praying in tongues. And so when Paul said he does that, he said he does it more than anybody. But then he also said, but I'd rather, you know, speak just a handful of words in a known language in the church gathering than 10,000 words in tongues. And the reason he gives for that is because tongues don't edify the hearer apart from interpretation. But when he is by himself, he says, yeah, I pray in tongues more than all you guys. And so there is this private use of the personal praying in tongues. I believe it is both a gift it's a delight and it should be a discipline too. It should be something that we do regularly because the Bible says that it's good for us. So I wanted to talk to you today about just some personal testimony mixed in with some scripture about w- w- what is the difference in my own life and the lives of many people that I, I spiritually journey alongside of w- what, what, difference does it make, man? Jeff, I look, man, I'm, I don't know if I want to get into the whole tongues thing because it's just weird I don't really understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it just seems kind of, you know, just, it doesn't seem to have a very practical use. Well, I want to say to you, I'm going to submit this to you. Um, there are a lot of things in the kingdom that to the intellect don't make sense. I mean, let's just think about it intellectually. You've committed your eternity and your current life to an ancient Jewish rabbi whose name was Jesus, who worked miracles, but ultimately, as the human eye sees, his ministry was very short and ended with his martyrdom, and yet you have committed your eternity, and you are devoting your life to that man now? Hey, I could come up to you and say, that doesn't make any sense. And of course, you would repudiate me. You'd say, well, wait a minute, man. Let me tell you about faith. Well, I'm telling you that not, not only does the gospel and your salvation depend on something that doesn't make entire intellectual sense, especially to those that don't believe, but the living out of your faith in many areas won't make intellectual sense. And part of our faith is to humble ourselves and to commit ourselves to things that we can't understand. Like I believe a lot of things that I can't fully explain. I, I have, I have, I have things in my life as a Christian practices that I can't fully understand, but they're an integral part of. Of my Christian experience. And one of those is this issue of praying in tongues. I think, uh, in the book of Jude, there's only one chapter that little bitty book of Jude right before the book of revelation in your new Testament. Um, in verse 20, the apostle Jude makes a statement. He says, but you beloved building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy spirit. And most scholars who validate the gift of of tongues would say that praying in the Holy Spirit, that has to mean something. Okay. Let's remember that principle. It has to mean something. He didn't just say praying. He said, praying in the Holy Spirit. By the way, in the book of Ephesians chapter six, when he's talking about putting on the armor of God, you know, we all know about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith and so on and so on. Well, part of the armor that gets very little press is, is praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the spirit, always praying in the spirit. Now there's a distinction praying in the spirit or praying in the Holy Spirit. Why is that, that, um, distinction made between that and just praying? Personally, I believe it's a reference to praying in tongues. It needed no explanation in the first century because everybody reading would have understood exactly what Paul and Jude were referring to. And so what we find in Jude chapter 20 is that praying in the spirit is connected to building yourself up in your most holy faith, edifying yourself, strengthening yourself, and so when when we think, or let me just say, I'm, I'm not going to put this on anybody else. Let me just testify. So I went the first um, eight years of my Christian experience, almost nine years, not quite nine years, um, and never praying in, in, in tongues, never. Did I have a good Christian life? Yeah, man. I, I really enjoyed it. It was actually very fruitful, very edifying. Um, there was great, you know. Fruit that came forth from my life and ministry. Um, I walked in the Spirit. I believe I was filled with the Holy Spirit multiple times, many times, um, long before I, I spoke in tongues. And then in 2003, the beginning of 2003, Um, I began to speak in tongues for the very first time. And then about 18 to 24 months later, when I really embraced it as a normative part of my Christian experience, um, it made an incredible amount of difference. And it isn't that I abandoned the things that had been the foundation of my Christian life prior to that. I was still in the word of God. I still prayed in English. I prayed in English more than I prayed in tongues. I still do. I still pray in English more than I pray in tongues now. I do both. But back in the day, you know, I only prayed in English. And when I started praying in tongues, I didn't quit praying in my known language. Um, I still, you know, uh, preached and taught. Um, Still witnessed sharing my faith. Still gave into the kingdom. I have never abandoned those things you know, going sprinting after some elusive experience of speaking in tongues. But let me tell you what happened on a practical nature. When I began to pray in tongues, I realized that the fruit of the spirit um, became more integrated into my personality. It doesn't mean I was, you know, perfect, but I, I found that I was able to be kinder I found that I had greater self-control. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. There were things that um, I used to have to wage, like really almost striving warfare against prior to uh, speaking and praying in tongues as a normal part of my Christian life. Like, I'll just be honest with you. Like, I always wanted to keep my eyes pure um, and never wanted to let my eyes as a single man. I was single for... Um, three years before I got married. And then even after marriage, I'm like, I I, I need to be an example. I need to consecrate myself. I don't ever want to look at something that would defile me. I don't ever want to have somebody walk by me. Some woman walk by me and, and eyeball her. And, but I remember that back in the day, that was much more of an, a conscious effort. It was like a thou shalt not. And so I was more aware of it. Now, listen, I would recommend to all, all of us, you still need to have, you know, some parameters, some boundaries and and awareness and guards up, but now it's an issue, um, that I don't, I don't have to work it up. I don't have to, Oh no, I just can't do this. So I, I don't want to say, I don't think about it, but praying in tongues keeps you in a state of spiritual strength where things that once might have tempted you don't have that same kind of allure to you anymore. Um, I can tell you this, when I began praying in tongues as a regular basis, building myself up in my most holy faith, praying always in the spirit, as Jude 20 says, um, I recognized that I was more consecrated in other areas of speech. So in other words, um, my antenna would go off when I would hear people you know, utilize veiled gossip, you know, Christians do that. And they're like, hey, pray for so-and-so. And they're really not asking you to pray. They're just trying to drop a juicy piece of whatever on you about somebody's life. And my radar would go off and I'd be like, nah, I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to participate that in, in that. There were times where I would want to verbally process something frustrating or negative about a person. Maybe they had done me wrong. And when when praying in tongues became a normal part of my life, I realized, oh, I'm I'm, I'm much more able to bridle my tongue. And so I didn't even want to say those things. I actually found myself wanting to bless those that maybe in a a previous season, early in my Christian life, I might've wanted to retaliate verbally on somebody. And so I think that, um, you know, I don't know what your, what your struggle might be. Um, Maybe it's covetousness. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's vengeance and bitterness and resentment. Well, I'm going to tell you, praying in tongues is, is, by necessity it means you are abiding in the spirit you are surrendered to the spirit he is harnessing your mind he is harnessing your mouth he is harnessing your emotions and therefore you don't just kind of pray in the spirit without the spirit (laughs) and so when what I realized was is in doing these things um that hey, this is much more of a relational flow between me and God the Spirit than it is me working up the will not to do bad things and then try to do better things. You know, maybe that's not a great way of explaining it, but again, these are things that are difficult to explain, sometimes hard to understand. But what I'm trying to say to some of you is praying in tongues is not so you can get the I Pray in Tongues badge. It's not so you can join the club. that, That kind of stuff is silly. Praying in tongues is just one important part of what it means to fellowship in the Holy Spirit and I think one of the hardest things for people is is getting past the intellectual roadblocks the walls that prevent us from humbling ourselves and engaging in something that quite frankly could be embarrassing to the flesh Um, I I think the the issue from Romans chapter 8 there is a verse in Romans chapter 8 that helps my prayer life. Um, Let me speak to, I know a situation that you've been in personally before. When something in life is so overwhelming, usually difficult, painful, intimidating, maybe seeking to induce fear, or maybe it's just simply beyond your ability to figure out it's problematic and you know, you're supposed to pray. You, I got to talk to God about this thing. But I'm going to tell you, most Christians have been in seasons, whether short or long, but they've been in seasons where they don't have the vocabulary to pray through something. And I don't think that this is an unusual experience for Christians, because I think that's what Paul was referencing in Romans 8.20, excuse me, 8.26. This is what he says. He says that the Spirit has helps us in our weakness we do not know what to pray for as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words okay and then he goes on to say he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God now again I just submit to you that's got to mean something We need to find out what does God want us to learn when he tells us that there are times when we don't know what to pray for or how to pray as we should. That means whatever we're praying about in those moments is bigger than our intellect bigger than our ability to reason through bigger than our ability to verbalize in a way that can process us through the will of God. In other words, you're looking at something you say, I don't have any idea what God wants to do in this. I don't know how I'm going to beat this thing. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how to process my heart. My heart is broken. My heart is fearful, my heart, and we don't have words. There've been times where literally in spiritual warfare, where I have been so smothered and oppressed by demonic junk coming against me, not on the inside, from the outside, a a full-on barrage and attack, that literally I could not put two words together in prayer. So Paul says when moments like this happen in our lives, the Spirit helps you in that weakness. That means he comes alongside of you. The paracletos, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He's your advocate. He comes along beside you and he says, yield me your mind, your mouth, your tongue, your vocal cords. I will pray the will of the father. That's verse 27 of Romans 8. He knows how to intercede for the saints according to the will of God. Okay. So there is some mysterious component in praying in tongues that Romans 8, 26 and 27 indicate that when we can't pray in our understanding, in our intellect, in our known language, in other words, we just have to give ourselves to the groan of the spirit within us. And the groaning of the spirit, which our minds, our intellect, do not typically know what he is praying through us during these times, but we know he is praying. And by faith, we trust that what we cannot verbalize as the will of God in our prayers, he is verbalizing the spirit through us praying to the father. Some people might object. Well, Jeff, why is God the spirit praying to God the father? That makes no sense. Really? Have you read your Bible? I can be so bold did Jesus the son of God not pray to the God the father when he was on earth why would it be any different then than the Holy Spirit living within you praying to God the father in while he is living in you while the spirit is living in you so don't don't start slicing stuff up on a theology that can't pass the test look listen you can try to explain it all day long and you may or may not be able to come to a satisfactory explanation but the verses are not there primarily instructional they are informative these are what we call indicative verses not imperative verses they're not indicative telling you what to do they're 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 uh, excuse me they're not imperative telling you what to do they are indicative they're just telling you how it is they indicate to you this is how it is when you're weak sometimes the holy spirit just wants to pray through you with groans that cannot be articulated and when that is happening You're praying the will of the Father. That ought to just bless the fire out of some of us. We try so hard not to be weak. We try so hard to be so competent and capable in the presence of God. We come with our nice, starchy, dignified ideas about what needs to be prayed, how we, what we need to ask, how we need to lay it before the Lord, how we probably need to educate the Father on what our needs are and what the best way to meet them is. I know we'd never say that, but sometimes, sometimes we pray that way. And the, the bottom line is sometimes the best prayers are just the groans, the tears, and the tongues. And if you've never experienced that, I want you to know that's part of praying in tongues. And I don't know how to explain it. And it probably wouldn't satisfy those that are just heaven bent on needing an explanation. But all I know is this. I've come out of season, sometimes, if I can risk it, hours of praying in tongues and having almost zero understanding what I've prayed. And then I come out of that. And on the back end of that, I feel the peace of God. I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel love in my heart. Maybe I'm praying about a person that's given me fits and I don't, I don't trust myself to pray for them in English, lest I pray something out of my flesh. And so I pray in the spirit about this person. I come out loving them and then the joy and the peace and the patience. And over time, When praying in tongues is a part of your normal expression of your Christianity, you will be able to sense an edifying of your soul, a maturing of your soul, a a strengthening of your spirit man. And again, if you want me to write a thesis on how that all works, I can't. It's just a part of my Christian experience that defies explanation, but you examine the fruit of it. So for the person that might theoretically come up to you and say, "Hey, you're one of those tongue talkers. I know you pray in tongues. I just don't think that that has any practical bearing on what it means to be a Christian. You probably are just duped." And again, if somebody's committed to that position, you're probably not going to explain them into an understanding. But what you you might want to do is just say, "Hey, I hear what you're saying. I actually understand why you might think that." All I can tell you is this, in the absence of me having an objective explanation for what happens when I experience this praying in tongues, let me just ask you, do you see in my life that I'm kind? Do you see in my life that I'm loving? Have you noticed that I'm patient? Do you believe that I'm living by faith? I'm sacrificial, I'm serving, I'm diligent, I prefer others above myself. And you know, if hopefully, hopefully those things, the answers to those things that the person would say is, yeah, I see that in your life, by the way, if that stuff's not in your life, um, you probably need something more than just praying in tongues from time to time. You probably need a healthy dose of repentance and considering the distance at which you might be walking apart from the Lord. Cause the fruit of the spirit is more important than the gifts of the spirit. They're both important, but the gifts of the spirit without the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit will be called in question. So if you're talking in tongues all the time and you're mean as a snake uh, you're probably not praying in the spirit. And so it, it, assuming those things, that fruit of the spirit is true in your life, just let the fruit bear witness of the validity of your experience with tongues. Let, let your life be that thing that says, hey, here's the fruit. Here's, here's why um, I'm going to continue to do this. And I appreciate the fact that you don't understand You go ahead and pursue the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and pursue the Lord. And I'm going to include praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. So let me ask you a couple of questions as I get ready to wrap up. Um, For those of you that have experienced what is commonly referred to as the baptism of the Holy spirit. I do believe in case you're wondering the baptism of the Holy spirit cannot be reduced to speaking in tongues. Uh, It's a whole nother separate topic. But many in modern Christianity will talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. If you have experienced that, how are you nurturing it? Was it a one and done? Was it a yabba-ba-ba? You know, at an altar call one time back in, you know, 2001 or is praying in the spirit, a normal flow because it's supposed to be. It's, it's not a one time occurrence where you get your, your name on a list of quote unquote, spirit filled Christians. Like praying in the spirit is a discipline and a delight. It should be a normal part of your life. And if you've let that thing go dormant, um, I really want to encourage you, you need to rekindle the flame. There was a gift in Timothy's life that Paul had to exhort him and said, you need to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not some sovereign zap. That God just zaps us whenever he wants us to prophesy. He zaps us whenever he wants us to speak in tongues. He zaps us whenever he wants us, you know, to flow in a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including tongues, require a conscious participation of the Christian and his or her God. And so you may need to get back into the secret place and just say, Lord. Lord. I've just let this thing go dormant and God, I'm not building myself up in my most holy faith. According to Jude 20, I'm not praying always in the Holy ghost. And so I want to encourage some of you get back into a place where you're prioritizing this gift because the Bible assigns value to it. And if the Bible assigns value to it, that means it's good for you. So don't neglect it. For those of you that have never have the question might be, Jeff, what do I do? Because some of you never have, and you, you've never really wanted to. I've never really wanted to pray in Holy Ghost tongues. Others of you have said, Jeff, I've asked, and I've asked, and I've asked, and I've asked, and I just don't have the gift. And I, I, have, I have great compassion on those that have really wanted the gift of tongues and just never have. Typically, not always, typically when somebody has asked for the gift of tongues and has never experienced it. There is almost invariably a mental block of some sort. And most of the time, the mental block is connected to a desire to honor God. In other words, a person says, well, I want to do it, but I just need God to do it for me. And my, my, my initial experience with tongues was very rare. And I think because the Lord wanted me to introduce that to, to our congregation, to my family, to other Baptist ministers and, and, this is you know, going back 20 years, I think the Lord knew that I was probably never going to choose to pursue tongues. Matter of fact, I know I wouldn't have. I believed in tongues and never pursued it. I did pursue a very generalized plea to the Lord, give me everything you've got for me. But the Lord sovereignly baptized me in tongues. And I thought that was going to be everybody's experience. I find out that's very, 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 very rare. So at some point for the vast majority of Christians who speak in tongues, there has to be a moment where you're earnestly desiring the gifts of the spirit. According to 1 Corinthians 12, it's commanded, you must desire the gifts of the spirit. And then at some point you're going to have to open up your mouth and yield your tongue, your vocal cords, your mouth to the Lord. And what I typically tell people is get into your prayer closet and begin to worship begin to pray, begin to praise. Just don't use English. If that's your, your native language, Spanish, if that's yours, just don't use the language you normally pray, like worship God without using your native language. And I'm automatically people are like, well, that's going to feel forced or fake. Well, my friends, here's the thing. Um, if you wait on God to zap you You may be waiting forever, but if you will yield your vocal cords in a sincere desire to honor the Lord and you begin to praise him because you can praise in your spirit without it coming out of your mouth in English. That's again, Romans 8, 26 is talking about the spirit groaning within us. It's not always able to be articulated in your native tongue. And so people don't like this, but I mean, you may need to get in the quiet place, the secret place and just say, Lord, I don't know. I'm just trying to honor you, God, and I want to honor you in a way that may yield to a furtherance of this gift in my life. So Lord, I'm going to worship you in tongues. Here I go. And a lot of people struggle with that because they're like, well, what if I do it wrong? And I get that. You don't want to do anything fake. Or you don't want to do anything to dishonor the Lord. I completely sympathize with that. But what I'm saying is if your heart is to pursue what he says is available, to obey the command to pursue spiritual gifts, and you've never done it before, you can't expect to be fluent in any language, including tongues, because tongues is a heavenly language. If I speak with the tongues of angels, it, like you can't expect to be fluent right away. I'd say for the first six months, I I regularly spoke in tongues. There were moments where I'm like, is that me or is that God? Is that me or is that God? Am I doing that? Am I forcing that? Is this fake? Like I wrestled with that. And eventually you get to the place where the spirit just says, stop overthinking it and just worship me in your spirit and open up your mouth and let those sounds come forth from me. And again, you have to risk feeling foolish. But I can tell you, if your desire is to honor God and not to get the tongues badge, oh, I spoke in tongues, I got the badge. That's the bad, that's bad motivation. But if your desire is to honor God and to experience this gift that he makes available to all Christians, then start right there. Just say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I've never been around it. Like for me, I'd never been around tongues except one time when I was a little boy. So I didn't have a grid for it. I had preached against it. And when I first began to do it, I was like, man, I just don't feel comfortable doing this because I'm, I'm more intellectual than I am anything. Like my, my brain's probably much more of a gift to me than my, my emotions. And so my intellect kept getting in the way. And finally, I just had to say, God. I'm going to risk it. You know, I'm trying to honor you. If this is wrong, if this, if I'm doing this the wrong way, or if any way this is fake, Lord, my motivation is just to honor you and to obey the scripture. So God forgive me. And ultimately I came to the place where like, no, it actually is real. I just had to grow in it. I just had to grow in it. I had to grow in my comfort level with it. had to grow in my articulation of it. Like, listen, there are depths of tongues. Like you, you, uh, it's just a separate podcast. I don't have time, but Like you should be growing deeper in your flow of tongues. It shouldn't just be the over and over and over again for five years. There's nothing wrong with starting out that way. But as you do it, you will become more skilled. You're literally, your intellect will merge with the spirit and your mind and your spirit will be working together and you won't even be trying. Now, I know a lot of this is just describing stuff that's kind of ethereal, it's kind of personally experiential, but, but guys, I'm just trying to tell you, go ahead and start. Go ahead and start. Can somebody lay hands on you and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, according to the Bible, it happens. Is it necessary? I don't think so. Um, but it can't it happen. Sure. Go forward. You're in a place where tongues is expressed. Ask for an impartation, but you need to bring faith because all the gifts of the spirit are exercised by faith. So at some point your faith is going to have to have an action item attached to it. And your faith means at some point you're going to have to open your mouth and sounds will come out. And so that's the thing, you know, it's going to, is there a risk? Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a minimal risk I mean, you might feel foolish for a second, but good night, man. Let the hunger take over. Yeah, Lord, I'm hungry for the gifts of the spirit. Your word says earnestly desire them. So Lord, I'm desiring, I'm longing for the gifts of the Holy spirit. And so when we think through these things, as I'm winding up right now, as we think through these things, what I'm saying is get into the presence of the Lord, cry out to him, believe him, be willing. Listen, come as a child, come as little children. That's how we progress in the kingdom. So as you continue to do that and put away your sophistication and put away all of your theology degrees and put away everything you ever heard from everybody that told you it's just silly and nonsense. Good night alive. The kingdom of God is not given to the sophisticated, the elite, and the highly intellectualized. It's given to little children. And when little children hear that something's available and that they can have it, They don't sit down and say, hmm, let me think through this. No, a healthy little child will say, oh, you want to give me something good? I want it. Let me have it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, for these that are listening today, and I know, Lord, if nothing else, I just hope I've stirred up hunger. Break off, Lord, those bonds that wrap around the mind and smother the spirit. Snap the ties that bind them to intellectualism. And Lord, awaken within them the hunger, the yearning, the longing. Do for some, Lord, what you did for me. God, I know that if they'll ask and they'll seek and they'll not, you'll bless. So give endurance to those that have asked and waited. And God, for those that are just considering asking for the first time, let there be an elevation of faith that unlocks the gift of tongues in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.